There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt, and this show was born out of my desire to have conversations about how we approach things. There's no end of people out there telling you what to think, and some of them may even be worth listening to, but there is no chance for all of us to be experts or even to listen to every expert out there. We have to take shortcuts. So the idea here is to talk to people about how they filter information. How do you decide what to bring into your brain and which shortcuts to take in order to operate in a world that has never been richer with information. These kinds of conversations are the sorts of conversations I've had my entire life. I attribute my love of talking to my grandma Roxy and my grandpa Carl. My grandpa and I would sit in their front room and, and quote unquote solve the problems of the day while he paged through the newspaper. Then I'd go over to my grandma's front room, uh, different, different grandma and grandpa. They weren't married. Uh, she would tell me stories and involve me in those stories, which helped me understand more about how life works. So I got lots of different ways of looking at the world and great conversations. And it was all training me for this very moment. Welcome to the front room, Dave Broadbeck. Wow, uh, that's a lot of pressure. And I really, uh, I am honored to be mentioned somehow indirectly by your grandparents. I, yeah, I, th they, I thought I had would, a thing there, Tom, and I had nothing. They would be thrilled, Dave. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I'm a real thrill. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, tell folks about yourself. We're, hmm? we're here to talk to Dave about free will, but why would we talk to you about free will? I don't know. Because uh, it's a good movie with a whale. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name is Dave Broadback. I'm a professor of psychology at Algoma University in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Uh, I have a PhD in experimental psychology. Most of my work in the past has been on memory, the evolution of memory uh, and cognition in all kinds of different species. And uh, yeah, I've been here for quite a while. I got my PhD in 1993 uh, from the University of Toronto. And in 89, I got a master's in 88. I got an undergrad degree from the University of Western Ontario in London, which is where I'm well, that's my, it's sort of where I grew up. I'm actually technically from this city, which makes no sense. I'm here because of dumb luck because there was a job here. I left yeah. when I was two. I don't really remember anything from Well, and, uh, and as Dave ex explained to me in a pub in Ottawa once, <laughs> uh, he had no choice in the matter. I, I actually, I actually clearly remember, uh, yeah. the, the, the way the table looked, the okay. kind of spindly wooden chairs oh, we were yeah. sitting on. I remember that. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, it was at podcasters across borders, mm -hmm. which, uh, was happening in, in Ottawa. And you, you said, well, we don't have free will. And I got very excited because I had just read something probably in Scientific American, that okay. part I don't remember exactly, about the fact that we don't have free will, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I just read about this. Tell me more. Right. Can, can you remember, can you remember exactly what you said back then? Or at least I, I a, was, an approximation. I, I don't know if you remember this part. We had been drinking. Um, <laughs> we were in a pub. That yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. I, I mean- I know that one of the things that I always start out with when I, when I talk about people about this, talk to people about this is I say, 
do you accept that there are causes and effects in the world? And most people do. <laughs> if you don't, that the, the conversation ends. Or we change topics, right? <laughs> so how about them Cubs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we talk baseball uh, and how horrible my fantasy team is. Now, if you accept that there's causes and effects, you can also – and you accept that psychology, for example, is a valid thing so that we want to predict behavior and cognition. If that's the case, then you can't philosophically believe in free – that there's free will because – and here's an example. If I said to you – and we'll use the drinking example – that if I – if if you had say five shots of vodka, uh, and I give you a list, say I give you a list of words, and you had five shots of vodka, and then half an hour later I asked you to remember the list of words, you'd have some trouble. Whereas if I gave you a list of words, and I gave you five shots of water, you'd do a bit better. So why is that? Well, it's because, and of course the answer people typically give is because alcohol impairs memory, and yeah, that's true. But if you have free will, then that means there's a free agent in there. And then my response is, how do I know it's not your free will that did that? That did what? That made you not remember so well. Ah, okay. And then the answer would be, it's the vodka that made me not remember. (laughs) I wanted to. Well, sure. Now, the issue then becomes, because free will is a, if, if free will is an agent, is a free agent, basically, then it can affect cognition and behavior. And if it affects cognition and behavior, then we have to stop psychology. Which I mean, some people are perfectly fine with that, and that's I'd be out of a job. But so it's it's untenable logically if you believe that psychology is something that's valuable to do, and that we can predict past, uh, sorry, future behavior and cognition from looking at how variables but interact with each other. Let me let me wiggle out of this. Let me try to wiggle out of okay. this one then. Uh, if free will exists, mm-hmm. it could be affected by other things like the vodka. It it, it it doesn't have to be the supreme effect. Oh, no, of course it's not. It's just an effect, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and if that's the case, then I guess the next question I would ask you is how do we measure it? Because when we're doing science, we have to measure things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to operationalize. Operationism is the one of the really important – well, it's one of the really key things about what science is because we have to be able to say – like I don't actually measure memory. I measure your number of list of number of words recalled. Right. That's and, a and metric then I, for getting exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't actually directly measure memory. Memory isn't memory is a, a, a characteristic that I, I I can think of things that are correlated with it. How do I measure free will? And I don't know the answer to that. It's the same thing with consciousness. I can't measure consciousness. I can't mm-hmm. prove you're conscious. I assume you are, because but I'm pretty does sure that I am. mean free will doesn't exist just because we can't measure it? I mean, it it could mean it's it's a right. imp- unprovable, which makes it yes, you know, useless for science. It's, yeah, it makes it, it it could be the case. We we one could argue, I guess, that free will is like something supernatural, and if that's the case, then we can't use the natural sciences to look at it anyway. Or can, it might not even have to be supernatural in the sense of ghosts and, and goblins. It could yeah, just I just be, mean supernatural. It's outside the the the, the realm of yeah. Of, of, in other of words, nature. like it, it might exist. It lots of things prove to exist mm-hmm. once we figured out how yes. to measure them later. That's right. Maybe we're just not smart enough. Oh no, yet. and that's po- I guess that's yeah. possible. Yeah, but. Everything else in the universe, as far as causation goes, everything in biology, let's heck with the universe. Let's talk about just living things. Everything else with biology, everything else with, say, comparative psychology, which is, you know, kind of what I am. So I look at memory in different species. It shows up in every other animal. We get memory. We get these effects. We get similar effects that we get from humans. 
Would you then say that black cat chickadees have free will? I don't know. Mm. A lot of people would say that a lot of non-human animals don't have free will. And if that's the case, that's fine. And if they do, that's fine. But why? But I mean, if they don't, we get the same patterns uh, in, in data from non-humans as we do in humans. Not always. Well, I think that's the one that's hard for people to to accept. Is like, right. no, you can test it. Uh, ask me to go left or right, and I'll yep. choose. And you won't be able to tell which one I'm going to choose. Yep. But I mean, if if I said to you, okay, I'll throw in a scenario to you and ask you, what is a good? Is the person who did this good or bad? So if I said to you that we had somebody who uh, planned to assassinate somebody, sorry, it just took a dark turn, (laughs) Uh, and they have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Well, they have two cups. One cup is going to be theirs, and one cup is the one that they've brought for their, you know, rival. If the person brings the coffee and they give them the wrong cup, they in fact give the uh, their rival. They 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 give him uh, a the one that isn't poisoned. Yeah, the safe cup. The safe cup. They don't even drink the other one because they're just expecting the, the, the guy to drink it and just okay. drop dead, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. And of course, the perpetrator at this point realizes, oh, I got the poison. I guess I'll probably just get out of here. If I asked you, is that person has that person done something wrong? Your answer, of course, is going to be yes. It's called attempted murder, <laughs> right? So we just, know that- Just the fact that that they weren't very good at it doesn't mean- doesn't, It doesn't take away from they it. They didn't try. But that's an ethics thing, not a not a free, of course it is not a free will. Yes, thing. of course it is. But if I took a transcutaneous magnetic uh, stimulation of your brain, so it's like a it's called TMS, which is very mm-hmm. big with with Scott and Scott yeah. Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I took this thing, and it's just going to put a powerful electromagnetic wave. It basically could shut down part of your brain for a brief period. And I put it over the right uh, temporal parietal junction. So that's going to be, I don't know if the, I guess people are just not going to see this, but it's right about there. Mm-hmm. And I held it there. And then I asked you that question. You'd say, well, no, no harm, no foul. So anybody who's saying, no, I wouldn't, uh, yes, you, you, would. you, could, you could reproduce this one. This, <laughs> oh yeah. This is, this is, yeah. This is a class. This is a, a study by yeah. young at Al 2010 and it's been cited 653 times. It's, it's yeah. pretty Fun well. Party trick. <laughs> get, your, get your DMS <laughs> machine out. Try I got it. a funny feeling that if you go in, uh, the, the, the first thing you, that happens when you go into Young's lab is he says, come here, come here. I'm going to do a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that shows that, you know, we would think that that's a, a case of us making a free decision. Yeah. Yet we've you could you could shut it down. I'm making the decision to evaluate that that's bad, right? Yeah. But yeah. you can shut down the part of me that thinks it's bad. Exactly. That doesn't um, sound like a good thing. I don't like that. Oh no, I don't. I don't want people behaving <laughs> that way. And of course, there's always people saying, "Well, what, you could create, you know, you know, uh, master chief level super soldiers because they wouldn't worry about morality, things like that." Um, and there's other effects like that too. So it's not like it's the only. That's the only time that's been demonstrated. Um, you can look at there's other brain regions that light up when people make uh, decisions, and you know it's also the case even making very simple choices, not moral choices. Mm-hmm. When it feels like you've made the choice, like if if I had, I look over here to my right and I see a clock. I have a clock here because I taught online from here, and it's nice having a clock so I can look over and see how much time's left in class. And do I yeah. have to do I have to stretch this out any further? <laughs> uh, oh, you know, do I have ten minutes? Oh, I have to make do some bits at this point. So if I look at this clock and I told you that when the second hand hits 12, you're supposed to hit the mouse button. Mm-hmm. You're, you'd be obviously, first of all, very good at it. Um, 
you'd get it almost right on 12 o'clock every time. But if I had an EEG on your uh, head, so electroencephalogram just measures brainwaves, about 300 milliseconds before you do the click, before 12, before it actually happens that you click, your brain actually shows activity P300. So it's 300 milliseconds before, and it's a positive brainwave. So in fact, the decision has been made three tenths of a second before it hits 12 o'clock. But that not that just me anticipating, getting ready? No, but see, the thing is, you don't know. Does it feel that way? No, right? Yeah. It feels this like is, as you're looking at it. This is the one that gets me. Uh, yeah. This is the one that gets it's me wild. because they, they've done this study with other, other examples too, where Another they can species. basically yeah. tell decisions have been made before you can say like they haven't they done it where they're like tell me when you've decided to yeah. to do the thing and yeah. people say they've decided after mm-hmm. the detection of that p3 wave. yeah and that, that happens and, that, and it's it's cross species so it, it happens in rhesus monkeys um that experiment involved when do the monkeys detect the mo- that the majority of dots are moving left to right or right yeah. to left it's been done in a lot of different situations too. When does a circle become a square, for example? So if you have a, a stimulus that's morphing from a, a square into a circle and you have people have to make a choice between square and circle. Uh, this is a student of mine a couple of years ago, Taylor, more than a couple of years ago. God, I'm getting old. Like, like six years ago, <laughs> Taylor Byron. And with Taylor, she's a PhD student. Um, and and, and one of the, she was looking at that and, and she found that the same sort of thing, that there was a P300 and that – it happened. We could, we, she could predict when people were going to say, Oh, no, that's now a square or no, that's now a circle before people said it. So it's the mm-hmm. same kind of idea. So that's the same. It's a, it's a decision making thing without and, looking yeah. at this. Like, like again, people out there were like, Well, I could tell you when they're going to say it too. I'll just look at this, look at the circle as it yeah. turns into a square. But you're no. saying just by looking at the P300 wave, just by looking at the, at the wavelengths. Yep. And, and, Again, you could also say like, well, yeah, that wave comes when they're about to say it. And, and three tenths of a second before? Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but except that it's before. When you go a thousand one for like when you you know, like when you're playing football and you, you get them five steamboats kind of thing. Um uh that's that's three tenths of a second. That's that's yeah. ages. This is the one this is the one that's hard that, that takes the mental gymnastics to get around. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can say like, oh well all yeah, the magnetic thing shutting down the part of my brain. Yes. Well, that's like, you know, putting my arm in a vice. It doesn't mean my arm's <laughs> incapable of throwing a ball. Yes, that's you've, right. You've you've done something to me. Yeah. Uh, but being able to detect that the decision is being made before yeah. the person is aware yeah. of it. I think yeah, that's and, the key and reliably a hundred percent or basically hundred yeah, yeah. percent reliable too. That's the other thing. It's not like you have to sort of fudge it and run it through all kinds of processing. You just look and go, oh, there it is. <laughs> like it, it's, yeah. it's clear as a bell. And there's not just P300, there's N400, so it's a negative one 400 milliseconds before. There's a lot of these different patterns of activation that that happen. So yeah, that's the thing. And in fact, the job I had before this one was at Memorial University of Newfoundland. It is tough. And it's it's tough to realize this. And the weirdest thing about it is, we don't have any experience of it. A student of mine a few years back, Jenna Congdon, I should say Dr. Jenna Congdon now, she's got her PhD. She came came to me and she said, for my honors thesis, I want to do P300. And I said, really, where are you going to get the equipment? The thing with Taylor Byron, we I worked with a colleague in computer science who was a brain-computer interface guy. But at this point, he hadn't set up his lab. So I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to lie to people. We're just going to tell them that there's P300. We're going to tell them there's something called P1200 and there's something called – well, we have a whole bunch of them. So we told people 
the, the, the real story of P300. Then we told them some other latencies and we told them some other effects that aren't real. And we wanted to take a look and see if did it affect how they made decisions. Mm-hmm. It didn't affect how they made decisions, but it affected how they their their qualitative uh, reports, their phenomenological sort of reports of how did it feel. It's like, oh yeah, I could certainly tell around three tenths of a second before. And then if you told people it was 1.2 seconds, they'd say, yeah, right about 1.2 seconds before the thing was going to hit. I could feel it. Yeah. So this so happens. It's, and we're so not self-reporting, aware of it. not very reliable. In this case, yeah. In this case. Yeah, yeah it's not because it, we don't notice this. Yeah. It just happens. It's it's probably an emergent property. This is a guess. So mm-hmm. this is just me mm-hmm. guessing. But it's probably an emergent property of having an incredibly complicated cognitive architecture. Just like – Could it be that we actually have free will – but our awareness of it lags. I guess that's possible. And like, like there's unlikely. a there's like a shadow of ourselves right. doing what we want based on our you know desires and experience. Yeah, and and it's like it's it's like reverse photons, you know. <laughs> it's like tachyons, they, right? Yeah. They, um, it's, okay, it's, if it's doing what we want based on our reinforcement history and our genetics, then there's that's not free will, right? Because it's not a free agent. Well, but it's no, it's not based on our genetics. Then <laughs> it's it's only based okay, on so, our. So now on, we're changing it. Good. Yeah, it's it's just it's not that we don't have free will, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's that our awareness is laggy. It's right. it's just a latency thing. It's jitter in but in our brains. It, I guess I mean it's jitter in our brains. The title. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I mean. I've heard people say that. And in fact, I've had, I've been asked that question. I, really? <laughs> Cause I was, I was like, this is a pile of BS I'm feeding Dave. <laughs> <laughs> now I've been asked this question in class. Yeah. People okay. say, is, is it lag? And I say, no, the difference between this and, you know, first of all, when you think about lag, you, I always think about playing, you know, Halo or something and I move the controller and yeah, right. And I mean, a 20th of a second is noticeable, not three, three tenths is the game's unplayable. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question I would have would be, why did that evolve? Like, why is that system there? Why would we have this lag? I don't understand why that would exist. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It's just like, I don't understand what the disease mechanism is for alcoholism. And that's a pretty good argument against the idea that it's something special and under different than any sort of other problem behavior. But that's me make it not a disease. It's it's just another argument that it may it may not be. So it's that kind of thing. It's like I just can't understand why that would exist. The the only explanation I could come up with is that it didn't get in the way. That mm-hmm. like the, the lag was just random, yep. but because because it didn't, you know, it didn't cause us to die, mm-hmm. uh it stuck around. Like yeah, it, a lot it's of not things- a, it's not an evolutionary advantage, it's yeah. just neutral. And it's certainly possible something that's completely neutral sticks around. Yeah. There aren't a lot of things like that, though. I mean, it's yeah, got, there's some. Yeah. There's certainly some. So, yeah. I mean, it feels like we have free will, and that's cool. I mean – Well, I guess, I guess that's where we should get to next. Is, yeah, yeah. Is right. For the people you – know, there's going to be people who are like, I just don't believe you. Yeah, and then that's fine. I feel free, free will. <laughs> but for people who are the, – the, the scariest part is the person yeah. out there who's like, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder. And if, if But if we don't have free will, doesn't that ruin society? Doesn't that mean like nothing yeah. you do matters because it can't be changed? Three-tenths of a second before you ever make a decision, it's already been made. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the, the argument. And this is, again, when I've brought this up in classes before. And this is – in fact, this usually comes up 
this does come up at like intro psych levels, but it does come up more often in advanced, more advanced classes. So in, in introduction to behavioral neuroscience and in learning. And in my learning class, um, it's animal learning. When I talk about this, I say that, you know, we can make very specific, mathematically precise predictions about learning. And it feels like when you look at this, that if I say that you have no free will, that if I, when I say that and I say, but I can predict exactly how you're going to behave in this situation without an appeal to free will. Mm. If I can do that, then we don't need it. Occam's razor. So if that's the case and people, people then say, yeah, yeah, but, 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 but then nothing's anybody's fault. And I look at people and I say, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is extremely un, un, um, satisfying for most people. So then I'm saying that. Uh, if Will Smith goes and slaps Chris Rock, that's not Will Smith's fault. And let's not get into a debate about that. But he did go hit a guy. Mm-hmm. Can we blame him? And let's, again, I shouldn't have chosen that example. But I was going to say I was going to hit you, but that just didn't seem very Please nice. Don't. Yeah. yeah, it didn't seem <laughs> nice. Um, so I probably missed, too. I can't see that well. But um, <laughs> no depth perception. I don't know. I'm pretty laggy myself. So you might, you might, you might luck out. Yeah. I, I've never hit a guy with glasses. Um so if that's the case, yeah, you're right. Then there are, people aren't technically responsible. But as a society, we've made a decision that if we punish people for bad behavior and reward them for good behavior, we get better people. And we do. So, mm, so in other words, it, because there's no free will doesn't mean there's no effect on behavior. Oh, of course not. No. Right. Yeah. You, it doesn't mean all behavior is locked in. Oh no! I mean, it is actually it does, but it, we 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 have to know every variable, and we'd have to know how they well, all interact. We're never going to know that. But I, when I say it's not locked in, I'm saying it d- doesn't mean you because cause and effect exists. Yes, one effect might be to deter someone from a certain kind of behavior over time. Yeah, that's because true. certain consequences happen. Yeah, I guess the other side of it is, uh, you know, what also we don't have free will over mm-hmm. uh, is acting as if there isn't free will. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of baked into us to act as if there is. So, you know, and what? in fact, the, the, the upside is you yeah. can't not because you don't have a free will to not act like there is. And free the will. cool thing is, Tom, we have this. The fact that we think we have this seems to me to probably be an adaptation for group cohesion. Humans are the most inbred species of mammal other than jaguars. I don't know why it's jag. I don't know what jaguars are like. Really? That. Yeah. Just what do jaguars do? I, I don't know. know. Yeah. Who knows? Weird. Uh, you got the E type. Um, thank you. <laughs> so, ja- oh, you meant jaguar. Jag- jaguar. Yes. Um, so, with we go back to probably about two thousand people. Like all humanity goes back to about two thousand people about a quarter of a million years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're really related, like very closely related. That very most distantly related person to you on the world at the very most is your 26th cousin. Okay. Um, it doesn't take very long to find out that somebody's your cousin. It just takes sitting down and drawing it out and you'll find mm-hmm. out that people that you've random, that you've just met are your fourth or fifth cousin. It's a fun little thing to do in um, evolutionary psychology. I talk a lot about this. <clears throat> it so, simply reminds me of the like, who's got a birthday in the crowd? And it's like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, how, what a, what a coincidence. I, it is yeah, my birthday. It's actually not that amazing. Here, let me yeah, show yeah. you the math. Um, right. So what happens then is that, but the thing is we look differently. 
like we look way different from each other than any other mammal except something that humans have selected like dogs. Like we invented the modern dog, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we invented cows. But you think about – let's look at some close rel- relatives. Chimpanzees can't are, – are better at discriminating human faces than they are at discriminating <laughs> chimpanzee faces. Because chimpanzees all – I mean, the chimpanzees are like, yeah, I know. We all look alike. <laughs> and then they, they say – and that's racist. But um, – Speciesist. Yeah, speciesist. Yeah. So this is probably adaptation for us to be able to remember who did nice things to us and for us and who didn't do nice things. Sure. Okay. So we can have what's called reciprocal altruism. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Um, the idea that we remember that we feel like we have free will is probably also uh, an adaptation for the same thing. Because if I say Tom lent me 10 bucks um, and I will pay Tom back because Tom's a good guy because he did this. Mm. It's not, well, uh, you know, his, his, repro- his, 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 uh, uh, his reproductive value to the, to the, yeah, tribe I mean, is, and it technically yeah. all works that way, but right, I mean, we don't right, make those right. calculations. Right. But if I sit there thinking, shortcuts. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we can think, oh, that person did this, that person did that. That's a good person. That's a bad person. And believe me, in my daily life, I act like I have free will and I act like other people have free will. I don't, if someone cuts me off when I'm riding my bicycle and they cut me off on a car, I don't yell at them. The, your, your genetic makeup and reinforcement history have made you cut me off. I call them an a-hole. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what happens. It's a shortcut. Yeah. It's a shortcut. Exactly. And it's actually, it, it, and it's probably, um, advantageous. And I think a giveaway to that is when we talk about free will, mm-hmm. there are lots of ways we could be uh, be critical of like, well, if there's no free yeah. will, then how have we organized society? Or yeah. uh, if there's no free will, how is it uh, is it possible to invent anything? Uh, invention wouldn't wouldn't be, but we don't. When you say there's yeah. no free will, immediately somebody goes, so there's no consequences. And, and, and I think that's a giveaway true. to what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, is. That free will probably exists to help, you know, be a shortcut for consequences. I think so. I think so. And it allows us to, to, we're very good at categorizing people and things, uh, and, and all kinds of stuff. Humans are categorizing, categorizing machines. Most mammal, most animals are. We're very good at it. You can get pigeons to cat. I, I have got pigeons to categorize pictures of cats and cars as being the things separate. you get pigeons to do. Yeah, exactly. The things, but yeah. So, you know, we're good at categorizing. And if I can have something else to help me categorize, that's going to be good. Now we fall, we fall prey to all kinds of bad things about categorization. That's where stereotypes come from. That's where all right. kinds of bad. Well, that, because categorization is a tool. That's right. Like any other tool, and yeah. it can it it can be appropriate to the task, or it can be inappropriate yeah. to the task, or it might just not be very good at the task. Exactly. You know, and you're like, ah, I kind of want it to work, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, and you do want it to work because you know it it is so useful. And we can lead ourselves astray all the time. We do this with, you know, framing heuristics and things like that. You never hear a politician say that they want to uh, decrease unemployment. They don't usually say they want to decrease unemployment. They say they want to increase employment. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, yeah. there's a classic study of who uh, a thousand uh, a ship is going down with a thousand people. There are two possible ways that you can save people. One of them, and you ask one group, uh, would you do? X or Y, and, and and this 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 method saves eight hundred people, and in this one, two hundred people die. 
Mm-hmm. And those are actually, of course, equivalent. Obviously, yeah. Do but people are like, well, yeah. the one that saves 800 people. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah, psychology is fun. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The way I try to think of it is free will may may not exist, right? It's, it's actually, yeah, I know you say it doesn't, but, but that's tantamount to saying like there is absolutely no evidence that it does, right? That's like, what I'm saying, yes. Right. Uh, it would be highly unlikely for it to exist. It's extremely unlikely, and it would yeah. make my entire discipline worthless, and right. I choose not to believe that. Exactly, and I get why. <laughs> and uh, that's why I choose not to believe You're tenured, forget Yeah, yes, but, and I'm, I'm a tenured full professor. I, they can't <laughs> fire me, so. Uh, but I look at it and say, it kind of doesn't matter whether it exists or oh, not. no, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's similar to the fact, maybe this is an inexact metaphor, but I sort of think about it as, it kind of doesn't matter that the red light doesn't actually stop cars. That's right. right. There's nothing about a red light that really stops a car. No. Uh, it, 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 there's, it's not a barrier. If someone wants to run a red light, they can mm-hmm. and they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly they don't. Most yeah. of the time people stop at red lights and we all act yeah. when we're driving as if the red light is actually going to stop the cars. Oh, yeah. That to it's going to hold slamming them on your brakes, even, even yeah. though there's no traffic there. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, how many times I've been sitting at a red light in, in a rural intersection with no one around, and I'm just like, why am I doing this? Oh, I, but on do. my bike, if I go out early in the morning, and this is only a town of 75,000 people, and I go out in my bike, and, you know, it's a town of 75,000 people, but it's literally twice the size of the greater, of, of Toronto in area. So, it's really spread out. Uh-huh. So if I'm out riding on what I'm sure in LA seems like a quaint country road that here would seem like a quasi busy city street. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, there's nobody here, but I'm not, I'm not taking the chance. I'm stopping yeah. right here because yeah. evil will happen if I run the red I, light I, on my bicycle. Some of it may be like, yeah, the police might be right around the corner sure. and then I'll get a ticket. May, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, but, but that doesn't matter either. What matters is there's a thing that you could reason shouldn't work that does. And, exactly. and I, I sort of feel that way about free will. It's like, yep. maybe it's not actually free. Maybe, maybe it is something that's just yeah. happening because of a deterministic amount of factors, but those factors are so difficult to calculate yes. that it doesn't turn into a problem yet. I guess exactly. the thing to worry about is, do we ever get to a point where we figure out the factors enough that it does become a problem? That's, and there's a, there's a class, I know I keep plugging my classes, but there's a class I teach called Contemporary Theory and Research in Psychology. Well, I mean, I, a, I asked you to talk about this because you actually, you know, know I think about, about these so things. I think yeah. that's, that's okay. Fair. That you teach that's fair. Class. And I'm not, it's not like I'm going to get, I don't get any residuals when people join my classes. <laughs> right, right. There's As I often say to them, I don't, you know, if you don't hand your papers in, great. You're in the pocket of big free will, aren't you, Dave? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm in the pocket of big psychology. Um, so in that class, we deal with one of the big central – it's the capstone seminar for the whole you know, uh, program. So one of the things we deal with is what is psychology? And we deal with this question, the questions of free will. We deal with questions of can we uh, – will we ever be able to say, for example, make – a pill that when I have a bad day, I can take it and it knows so much about me and we know so much about how the variables work that it just f- 
fixes it. And yeah, it, literally it, just, fixes it just flips the body chemistry. And yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if that's the case, we talk about this a lot. Like what, what happens when we actually do figure all this out? You know, Gattaca, right? So mm. We, mm. <laughs> when we actually do understand how all the variables interact, and my point is at that point, we are so advanced. This is something that would happen in hundreds, if not thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So I certainly hope. I, the first thing is I, I'll be dead, so it doesn't matter. But the second thing is I hope that we will have uh, – I'm going to use the word evolved, but in the popular sense, not in the evolutionary mm-hmm. biology sense. I hope we will have evolved enough that we can be enlightened to the point where we can say this is – there may not be free will. We feel like it. I can predict everything, but I don't need to. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're very good at predicting behavior anyway. I can predict. We we are all mind readers. All humans and other animals walk around reading the minds of other or trying to at least. It's called theory of mind, right? Mm-hmm. So we walk around doing this all the time. We don't have to have all the data to make a very good prediction about people. I predict that in this case, you and I will have a conversation. Yeah. Because obviously you're not going to pull out a gun and start shooting at your camera. I hope. Um, and if you did, I'd go, well, he's not shooting at me because I don't think the bullets can travel through the internet. Also, that was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken an extremely dark turn and disturbing. Yeah. So I, I can predict your behavior broadly. Yeah. Predicting behavior broadly versus like, I can tell you every single thing you're going to say and do, right? And if I was able to do that, I'd need to know so much about you anyway that I, it, pro- it would be impractical to do any as it is. And, and this is where our our brains fail yeah. at generalization yeah. because there are very difficult problems that we couldn't do with computing resources 10 years ago that mm-hmm. we can now. That's right. And so it's tempting yeah. to think, yeah. and so we can do pretty soon, we'll be able to do all of them. And there, there are yeah. certain problems and simulations that still would require, yeah. you know, every molecule in the universe yeah. to store the information you would yeah. need to, to, to simulate it. You know, I mean, this is the, I mean, I've heard people in the last few days, you've heard, I mean, every time you turn around, Elon Musk is saying something and heard I've, heard, I've heard, I've <laughs> heard some guy and I've heard him say that um, the ultimate goal would be to download consciousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not happening, man. Um, this is something we also talk about in that class. And it's like, you know, Think about how much information has to be represented to think about something that has literally, basically, it's got to be limited, but it's in essence limitless storage capacity. I mean, that's not happening. I suppose the, the hope, if you're if you're Elon Musk or, yep. or anybody else who wants that, is it's a big but, pile of money. But it exists in this space with this yeah. oh, electrical yeah. requirement. Yeah. 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 So. It's got to be solvable, right? Oh, it's probably solved. In fact, it has been solved by evolution. It's been yeah, solved perfectly uh, it, right can, here. Can we just do what that does somehow is the question, right? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? You'd have to grow a brain. And this mm-hmm. is, of course, you go back to the HAL 9000, right? You go in 2000. Suddenly, it's an episode of tangential convergence. Yeah. Um, the HAL 9000, because it's basically uh, a brain that controls a computer. Or or the worst episode of ever of all, so all Star Trek episodes, all of them, Spock's brain, <laughs> where Spock's brain runs a planet. Yeah. Right? And, of course, where Captain Kirk has the most sexist line in all of Star Trek, which is, where are the leaders? Where are the men? Mm. Um, <laughs> it's like, it oh, was- dude. Dude, yeah. what did this you is why say? you reboot Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. 
So I guess this is the thing. It is tempting because we have this, it's extremely complicated gear in our brains, but you know, we don't know how that works, man. We don't know how I read a paper the other day for a journal, like I was reviewing a paper about cognition and memory in animals that don't have brains. And I don't mean, you know, bees, because there still mm-hmm. is a brain in there. I mean, like starfish. And they learn, like they learn things. Mm-hmm. We can do Pavlovian conditioning with them and operant conditioning. And that learning persists. Learning persists in nematodes, an animal with 302 neurons, the simplest animal with, with neurons. We actually know what every neuron does, what every circuit does, and the whole genome. They learn and they have memory. There's some real complicated stuff going on that we ain't breaking in anytime soon. I'd say. Well, and even if even if you can, oh, look, just moving a setting consciousness aside mm-hmm. <laughs> for the mm-hmm. second, for, for yeah. the moment. But even if you could build yes. a, a human brain somehow, yep. or, or the equivalent of it, yep. that's still different than being able to tell what that brain will do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Totally. We we think like, oh, well, we build computers and we kind of know what they do. It's like, sure, we kind of know what they do, but ask anyone doing deep learning, neural networks. Yep. We don't know how those algorithms get to their decisions. We just know how to design them so they do the decisions the way we want them to. And I I think that starts to be a real insight into like, oh, you mean kind of like our brains? Like, well, this is, there's, there's stuff in, 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 in cognitive psychology. A lot of people do neural. Well, they're called neural networks for a reason. Um, so these, the nodes and neural networks have the same, um, pr- principles of operation yeah. of neurons, which are, I'm not going to go through it all. That's ridiculous. But the point of this is that you you can build like a model. You can build a network that will do a certain thing, but then it will do other things that you didn't even predict. And these are simple networks, like simple networks that maybe yeah. have like 10 nodes and like say seven or eight connections, stuff just happens and you go, Oh, emergent properties, eh? And you yeah. think about something complicated that, you know, might like a, like a deep learning algorithm, which has, you know, thousands of nodes um, right. or more. Um, I'm not really an expert in that, but um, yeah, it's wild. So it's, it's an extremely complicated piece of gear. Uh, not just human brains, brains are extremely complicated gear. You know, you think about what a what a what a honeybee can do with twenty thousand neurons. You know, yeah. it, it can map its whole area. Uh, my daughter studies bird migration because she went into the family business, and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, looking at how uh, birds represent the uh, magnetic field of the Earth and how it's probably. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It projects to visual areas. And it, so it's, it's kind of like that, that when birds are migrating at night, they actually probably get a heads up display about the latitude and latitude and longitude in the earth. I was just reading it. Like there's a quantum part of that, that they think might, have, yeah. you know, they're, they're still, they're still studying, oh, but there's, there's gotta be yeah. quantum effects in the brain yeah. because you're dealing with things that are really small. Like, you know, there's, there's signaling that happens in the brain. That's at, that's at the level of like, like nitric oxide molecules, like really simple little things. So then there must be quantum effects, uh, I, which was, yeah. I, I look at, and, and this, this actually ties into to talking about algorithms and deep learning and mm-hmm. machine learning and all that. Uh, 
we don't have to know how they come to their decisions. And people get very uncomfortable. Like, yeah, but can't you open up the algorithm and look at the programming you programmed? It's like, yeah, but, mm, but there's, there's just stuff going on that's kind of a black box. Yeah. And you you can train it yeah. to do things. And if you mm-hmm. train it with certain data sets, you get certain outcomes. So you got to be careful what you feed it. Yes. And the way you control the algorithm is by how you train it. Yep. You you can't just change, you, you know, yes, you change the algorithm, but that just gives you a, a playground in which to play. That's right. The training data refines it, right? Because the same algorithm can recognize, can create fake dogs as cre- create fake cats. It all depends on what you, what data you train it on. Yeah. And I feel like that's free will for us. Like we, yeah, that's fair. We can modify our behavior, but not because we decide quote unquote to. Yeah. It's it's because we can change the conditions around us to kind of nudge us one way or another. That's that's, that's really exactly, the way I think about that, it. That's actually well, that's the way I think about it too. Um, it's your reinforcement history and your genetics. So, yeah. which is a and then the interaction of the two, and which is why so many so many issues with with um, with behavioral disorders or addiction yeah. or anything yeah. are about like don't put yourself in the situation if you can help it right well this is the thing I mean I think for example I mean I I today I ordered some cannabis because I live in Canada and I have that freedom um, yeah. you can't and I, you spell live in California Canada you or cannabis without can you can't dude um, so <laughs> I don't have a history of psychosis so <laughs> I'm fine but someone who has a history of say paranoid schizophrenia should not be touching cannabis. Like, that's just a thing. We know that. Same thing with, you know, and the, now I, I guess I probably could order LSD, but I, I don't know who, I don't think I, I don't have a guy. <laughs> um, and that's not legal here. I imagine that's next, but you also don't take LSD. You don't do mushrooms if you've got a history of psychosis because, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation. Right. You know, it's the same thing you think about problem gamblers probably shouldn't be going to horse racing, even though, even if they don't gamble. At the, mm-hmm. at the track because it's like it's just a big gambling event yeah with horses so eventually they're gonna perhaps gamble yeah so it's that kind of thing and I mean things are when we think about how these things interact and how you know people talk about is it nature is it nurture most psychologists experimental psychologists will tell you that's a dumb question you know there's a great we have to worry about the interaction and those they're so complicated. So there's, there's a great quote by a guy named Donald Hebb, who's the father of behavioral and cognitive neuroscience, Canadian psychologist. And he said that asking how much of a characteristic is due to genes and how much is due to the environment is like asking how much of the area of a field is due to its length and how much is due to its width. Mm-hmm. Like they're just both there. So, but I, but I think you're right. I think the idea of looking at, these kind of basically algorithms, which is in essence what's going on up there, probably. Yeah, um, and you and you can yeah. train yourself. You can yes. you can give yourself different training data. Uh, I, I you know we I call often that hear school. It, yeah. I often think of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I often think about it as tricking yourself. I trick myself into doing the things I need to do every day. Yeah. Some of it is by giving myself a reward for it. Yep. Some you know some of it's just making it easy. You know, so that it's so it's like, oh yeah, I can do that. I've I've set myself up for success. Exactly. Do you ever play that uh, arcade? Not not arcade in the video game sense, but like like the classic like carnival arcade game where you're shooting uh, a stream of water at a boat. Yeah, sure. And you're trying to get the you're trying to use that stream of water to nudge the boat along and win the race. Yeah, that's basically us. We we're we're the boat. And and all we we don't actually have free will. We have the water gun, you know. So we kind of affect where it's going. <laughs> yeah, and it but it feels like 
when you're feels like we're driving the boat, but we're it not. Does. Exactly. Yeah. This is yeah. why this is a very good analogy. Yeah, that's right. And it does feel like we have free will and it feels like we're driving the boat and we're probably not. I would go so far as to say we aren't, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, you yeah. still got to get the boat there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still have to, when I, when I think, oh, I don't really feel like working out, I think, well, if I don't, I'm there are consequences. Gross yeah. and pudgy and puffy and nasty. Um, this is how my brain works. It's all about my ego. I think uh, it's really important <laughs> to pass the marshmallow test to to be able to think about that kind of stuff, right? Because it, it makes is. you go like, oh, even though I'm not going to get an immediate consequence, there are yeah. consequences and yeah. you want to focus on. Even that. though that marshmallow thing can't be replicated. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a bad it's a bad name for a good it's, concept. It's, it really is. It, you know, delayed <laughs> gratification, right? So, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's something it's tough with kids. It's tough explaining to little kids that I also uh, don't really like marshmallows. So that's yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I prefer I like them in things like in, on, things? in a s'more or in a cho- hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is why we get along, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think along the way we definitely touched on a lot of ways that that you and I both by example you know, use shortcuts to figure yes. things out. Yes. I, I like to, to ask people this when we're, we're talking of, of how do you decide mm-hmm. outside of your area of expertise, yeah. what information to put in your brain and when, what uh-huh. stuff to, to trust and believe and, 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 okay. and help you figure out like, okay, I can't, I can't keep up on all of it. So yeah. I'll let that be the, be the substitute. I look for external indications of expertise. So, and it isn't always the case that that doesn't doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who have PhDs and things that are just crackpots. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, and 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 you're. And it, I know people are thinking this. Like, just because you have a PhD doesn't yeah. mean you have a PhD in the thing you're in, talking about. In everything, first of all, right? One of the things that happens very early in graduate school usually is you think you know everything because you're in graduate school, so you must mm. know everything. Yeah. And usually some senior graduate student pulls you aside and goes, you don't know anything, dude. I don't yeah. know anything. You know who doesn't know anything? Your supervisor doesn't know anything. Now, some people, it goes on forever, but yeah. Just in medical doctors, we, mm-hmm. we run into that where yes. where you know we tend, we, the temptation is to yes. think like, oh, they went to medical school. They know everything about medicine and, and do- oh. medical doctors are very, are actually pretty quick to point out like, yeah, I don't have any expertise in that area. You need to see a specialist. That's why I, you need to see a specialist. Yeah. My, my son's autistic and um, in Canada, you get a disability tax credit if you've got a disability. So, and every five or six years, we have to fill out the form again by a, by, a, by an MD because apparently it maybe sometimes it gets better. Anyway, um, yeah, our family doctor, the last time we did it, she said, okay, so we were going through the things and she's asking John some questions. And at one point, um, she says, now, can you tell me what to say here? Cause you know more about memory than I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. Thank you for that. That's excellent. Here, yeah. say the following. So you, so you look yeah. at, look at, uh, indications of expertise yes. within the, the, the topic of which you're That's right. Yeah, yeah. So for example, if I'm wanting to know about what's happening in Ukraine and I see Wesley Clark on TV. Well, he was the Supreme commander of NATO. I think he knows about wars. If I see, I don't know, let's pick, let's pick somebody else on CNN. Anderson Cooper, who seems like a decent guy that I think I'd like to go out for a beer with. I wouldn't want to see his analysis. It might be interesting. It might be right. Yeah. But I would trust trust Wes Clark over. Yeah. Yeah. And I would trust Wes Clark on that way more than I trust Anderson Cooper. Sure. Sure. Um, my buddy Paul studies criminal, like, like, uh, lineups, uh, police lineups, forensic psychology. I don't know. I, pr- I very, I'm very happy to walk over to Paul's office. And after we 
mock each other loudly. And then I'll say, okay, how does this work, this thing? So that it's very nice in the university because there's people around. But yeah, so usually I can, I can tell because – what about in, in just the fast, like, I need, I need yeah. to know what's going on in the world kind of sense? Uh, I figure, I figure error cancels. So I look at more than one source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like if I'm reading the news, I'll read CNN, I'll read BBC and I'll read CBC. Mm-hmm. That's usually some getting Canadian, American and British. Got to have a C or a B in it for you. To it has to, yeah. or, yeah. or the whole thing falls <laughs> apart. Uh, yeah. So that kind of thing, I would do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, it is, uh, it is almost time to wrap this up, but. Mm. I, uh, I've been playing some kind of game with my guests, uh, okay. and for you, Dave, I would yes. like to play yes. this or that. Okay. So it's a very simple game. Yes. There are two things you yes. pick one and give pick me, one. give me a brief reason why. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, this is certainly not a personality test. We are, we're not storing <laughs> this personal information or we'll use it to target you in any kind of way. Yeah. And again, they, I'm tenured of a strong union. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. You ready for the first one? Sure. Sound of a dot matrix or laser printer? Sound of a dot matrix printer because it reminds me of being of, of being in school. I, I really like that's the nostalgia of it. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it is. yeah, for sure. Laser printers, you just hear the paper going through. You yeah, and I didn't really laser. hear laser printers until yeah. I was in grad school. <laughs> right. Fast or slow zombies? Well, slow because I can probably get away. Because you can outrun them. Yeah, yeah. or me, or I, I, get, I hop my bike. But yeah, because the other way to be like fast because I enjoy seeing them on on the TV and they're not real. Or if they're fast, <laughs> I die quickly or become one of them quickly. That's because, the other, yeah. you, you're a joint. If you're a joiner, you'd go fast enough. <laughs> I was a joiner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right, uh, William James or Jean Piaget. Wow, nice. Those are some deep pulls, Tom. Um. William James. I mean, um, Piaget did some great things, but it's not nearly as clear as the stuff he said. William James wrote the first psychology textbook, uh, Principles of Psychology, which you should read because it's just a good book. But he also came up with terms like stream of consciousness mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other you know, uh, things. But I'll tell you this. He got so much stuff right out of thin air he wrote that book in 1890 it's <laughs> it's mind-boggling you go back and read james and you go oh yeah okay so he figured that out back before we even did this as a science well that's interesting well, i guess yeah. probably i'll test that but yeah so james yeah good sure. instincts so you're yeah. a james stan yeah oh, but i'm more of a vunt guy if you want <laughs> to okay. get really yeah into if it. we really had to dig down yeah, okay. if i had to dig down my, my phd uh goes back eventually to vunt yeah, uh, this one I just came up with uh, off the cuff: Gattaca okay. or two thousand one Space Odyssey. Jeez, that's a tough one. Oh, Gattaca. I mean, I just think it's uh, this is a probably sacrilegious to most people, but I think it's a, it's I've enjoyed watching it more than I watched two, watching two thousand one. All right, yeah, All right. just just pure pure gut enjoyment. Yeah, I just liked it. Yeah, hammock or beanbag chair. Uh, hammocks. I, when I get in, I fall out. So be back here. I can never figure out hammocks. <laughs> I, I didn't think I felt the same way about hammocks till, till we, in, we not inherited, but, but we got, there was one in okay. the yard of the place we bought. Okay. And I was like, well, all right. I, and I've started to come over to the hammock side. Okay. Like yeah. I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have to be under some shade because I get sunburned easily <laughs> beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely in the shade. Definitely. Yeah, okay. I'm hundred okay. percent with you there. Yeah. Excellent. Three more here. Okay. Canadian Tire or Tim Hortons? Canadian Tire. Yeah. Yep. More stuff. And um, also, um, Tim Hortons isn't that good. 
<laughs> I, I, I knew you would say that too. I just don't think it's that good. I have yeah. no free will, so of course you know I was going to say. All right, that. let me let me try let me try the spirit of that one again. Better. Okay. Terry Fox or Tommy Douglas? Wow. See, that's hard. Actually, uh, Tommy Douglas had more important things than the history of the country, so I'd probably go with Tommy Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Terry Fox go with actual effect, actual effects rather than. General I mean, Watt. Terry Fox was an amazing person, but Tommy Douglas is the father of socialized medicine in Canada, um, and it was a pretty special person. Yeah. What, 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 how would you describe Terry Fox to those who don't know him? Uh, Terry Fox was a young man, early, mid-20s, lost a leg to cancer, uh, and he tried to run across the country to raise money for cancer. Uh, he, his cancer came back in Thunder Bay, literally almost exactly, a little more than exactly halfway across the country when he was running. He would run a marathon a day, 26 miles a day, the Marathon of Hope, and um, uh, he died uh, And uh, when his cancer came back, and he's a national hero. Uh, there's a, there are statues of him. There's still ter- the Terry Fox run every year in September. And you picked Tommy uh, Douglas. But yeah, Tommy Douglas, I mean, <laughs> socialized medicine for the whole country is kind of bigger. Helps everybody. No, it does. I, I got you. All right. Yeah. Uh, and we finish up with uh, crepes, savory or dessert? No, savory. Yeah. Really? Always. Really? Yes. Wow. What, what Generally kind of for dessert, I'd like another steak. <laughs> what kind of savory crepe would you, would you have? Uh, it depends on what I got in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would depend. I've made a lot of crepes with turkey after Christmas. Turkey crepes actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, Well, Dave, thank you so much uh, for hanging out and having a word with me. I really appreciate this. It was a great deal of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Folks, uh, you should know Dave has some fantastic podcasts out there. You You should absolutely go sample them. Where can they go to find out what you do? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Broadbeck. Uh, you can also look around and, uh, I've do, I got a podcast about Mad Men called Sterling Cooper, David Steve, where I talk about Mad Men with a buddy of mine who's an English prof who's never watched the show before. And I learn about things like dramatic irony, something I never knew about. Um, I do one called Tangential Convergence with my buddy Ken and he, we talk about, uh, science fiction and history and a little bit of technology and current events. Best episode ever, Retro TV, Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour, which I believe still exists. Uh, do you want to hear my wife and I go shopping? I, probably not, but some people do. Broken-area.com. And there's others. Spit and Twitches, the Animal Cognition Podcast. And there's a whole bunch of others. Just follow me on Twitter. You'll find it there. I have to say, I really like uh, listening to you and your wife go shopping. Uh, yeah, which is amazing to me. A few years ago, we were sitting in the back of our car and, and, and Isabel said, Oh, Tom. And he said, you said, no, be quiet. It's like I'm getting my own bespoke episode. (laughs) It's great. Uh, Well, thank you again, Dave. Uh, Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. And uh, go find us and spread the word on the internet as well. We'll have a word with you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.